0: Hi, and welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the queen, Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. We are going to have a phenomenal time as I talk to my guest co-host and contributor today, Kendi Ward. She is the author of the book, Rainstorm. I can't wait to tell you more about it in just a few moments. As always, we want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past eight years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. If you want to find out how you can help be a part of that mission, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff and find out how you can help out. And as always, we covet your prayers. We want to thank our corporate sponsor for their support. To find out how they can help you build your readership, go to christianbookclub.net. And now, without further ado, I'm going to introduce my guest co-host and contributor today,
1: Kendi Ward. Kendi, how are you doing today? I am doing fantabulous today, Parker. Thank you so much for having me on the show.
0: And I am so glad to have you, too. You are absolutely doing fantabulous. And this book is fantabulous (laughs) as well. I cannot wait to let our readers know more about it. But before I do that, I always want to peel back the veil
1: and let people see who you are. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm originally from Nassau, the Bahamas, born and raised on the playground. No, I'm playing. Um, so yeah, I was born and raised in Nassau, Bahamas, mm-hmm. uh, migrated to uh, Florida Ooh, a lot of years ago, 25, 26 years ago. So I live in South Florida. Obviously, I like to write, to read also, and I'm also a ordained minister. And I work in construction. I think that's the unique thing. So that's a little bit about me.
0: I had no idea you were a minister. So should I call you Minister Ward, Minister Kendi? I mean, how you want me to address you? Because I give honor to whom honor is due.
1: Well, we're not in that forum. So you can just call me Kendi.
0: Okay, just want to make sure because I am very respectful of ministers and their calling. So glad that you share that with us because being a minister must be absolutely hard work. I know that for sure. My father's a minister, so I know it's hard work. But particularly as a female minister, do you deal with a lot of prejudice that may come with that? Because some people believe women should not teach in church, but be silent, quiet, and stay off to the side somewhere.
1: I grew up in a Christian home. I went to a Baptist school, however, and and went to a Pentecostal church. So definitely different doctrines. I went to a Baptist school where what you said was exactly true. You know, they don't believe in, they didn't believe in women, you know, teaching or anything like that. We had chapel every Wednesday. And now that I think about it as an adult, the female teachers never taught in chapel. Only the male teachers taught in chapel. Um, But I went to a Pentecostal church where even though there was a lot of bondage, and I talk a little, 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 little bit about it in the book, a lot of bondage as far as um, in the Pentecostal church, women couldn't wear makeup, jewelry, pants, like all of that. However, there were lots of female deacons, pastors, you know, in leadership roles in my church. My mom is a deacon in the church. So, I saw that um, from my mom. For me, no. In ministry, I don't see any type of prejudice towards me as far as being a female in ministry. I go to a non-denominational church. I see that 80% of the church is female and like 80% of our leadership is female. So no, no prejudice as far as being a female in ministry. That's not a challenge for me.
0: That's wonderful to hear. I did a show about that a few years back and it caused some ruckus because people definitely have opinions on a woman's place, but I guess the only ones who mm-hmm. matter is the Lord's opinion. So I'm glad to know Amen. that you have overcome those hints of bondage. And they are in the book, but like you said, you don't really focus on that because just the story itself between rain and storm is stormy enough. <laughs> so we definitely want to, uh, <laughs> I know you just want to throw hints of it in there because he does battle with some of this in slight ways. So I can't wait to talk more about it. Right. One thing I love about this story, and for our listeners out there, Rainstorm, R-E-I-G-N, Rainstorm, is available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. So make sure you go ahead and get your copy of Rainstorm today. You are definitely going to enjoy it. I've been reading it today. I'm halfway through. Thoroughly love this story. I love this couple. I wish they were here so I could just watch them and talk to them and have food with them. They are very, very tactile and relatable. So I know you're going to enjoy this story. But before I get into them, what I like about this book too is that it takes place in the Bahamas. I went to Nassau for my honeymoon many years ago. I was just there as a tourist. You're only there for like two hours. So reading those parts Mm -hmm. about the Bahamas really made me feel as if I was there. So tell us about your home from a person who's lived there. We're used to seeing it in a tourist
1: type of way. Tell
0: us what it's like to live in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm.
1: So a couple of years ago, I think maybe it's 2005 or 2006, my family, we went on a cruise, right? And so my family flew here from Nassau to Miami so we could leave from the port of Miami to go on this Mexican cruise. And we get on the ship, you know, you get all checked and we're on the deck whatever where you wave, you know. And then the captain makes an announcement and he's like, oh, he has an announcement there's hurricane so-and-so headed to Mexico. So we're rerouting. And I said, what? And nobody else is paying attention. Everybody is just excited about being on a cruise. And he's like, we are rerouting to Puerto Rico, St. Thomas, St. Martin, and the Bahamas. I said, what? I said, no, 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 <laughs> no. And I and I'm like, can anybody else hear this? I find somebody. I said, Did he say we're going to the Bahamas? And the lady was like, Yeah, we have to reroute. We're gonna go to NASA. It's gonna be the last stop before we come back here. I said, I don't want to go to NASA. I lived in NASA all my life. <laughs> I don't want to go. So anyway, so we go and so that was the last quarter call. And my mom and my sister refused to come off the ship. And me and my dad and my brother were like, we're just gonna go and act like tourists. And so we got off the ship. We did like all the tourist things. We went to the, we went to the dock and we had value. We went to the straw market. We went on the horse and carriage ride down Bay street and Shirley street. And we just pretended to be tourists. But what that gave me the opportunity as a Bahamian, to see the way tourists view the Bahamas. So coming in, you know, into the port, you know, I saw what makes the island so unique and so beautiful because I saw it from a different point of view. So I got to see it from the viewpoint of a tourist. So when I write, it's kind of the opposite. I want people to experience my island the way that I experience it. You know, I want it to be authentic because Bahamians will roast me. They will roast me if I don't (laughs) get it right. So so I want people to experience the island like I experienced it growing up, you know, in the Bahamas. You know, yes, it's an island and it's a tourist destination, but, you know, we don't see it like that. It's just home, you know, and it's kind of like living in a small town. Like everybody knows everybody. I remember one time I, I cut class and I decided to go downtown. And of course, somebody called my mom and was like, I think I saw Kendi downtown. And oh, I was no. like, man, that was I was at school. <laughs> I was at school, lying. <laughs> like, that's dumb. That island is seven by 21 miles. Like, somebody is going to see you. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, living in a small town. Everybody knows somebody that knows somebody that knows you. So, yeah, I just want people to, to see my island and recognize my island, you know. So that's why a lot of my stories are set in the Bahamas, where I have Bahamian characters, because representation does matter. The first book I saw with Black people on the cover was Brothers and Sisters by B.B. B. Moore Campbell. And it wasn't even like real Black people. They were like, you know, it was like a drawing. but <laughs> They were Black. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Black people, the book with Black people, and so that was like the first book that I read with Black characters, but what it did for me, I always knew that I could tell stories, and I was pretty good at writing, but never thought that there was a possibility that I could be an author, because when you live on an island where everybody works at a hotel, (laughs) hospitality is the number one industry in the Bahamas. 70% of the population is is I don't know what it is now, but the last time I checked, 70% of the population is employed directly or indirectly in the hospitality industry. So you're working at a hotel. My parents worked at a hotel for 40 years each. Uh, so that's what you're going to do. You're going to work at a hotel. You know, it was Atlantis and it was Crystal Palace. That's what that's what you're going to do. That's it. You're going to work at a hotel. You're going to teach at a school or you're going to work in a bank. Uh, but you're not going to write books and you're not going to be an author. We don't do that here. But what when I saw that, when I saw the, a book with Black characters by a Black author who was a female, what that did for me is say that, hey, you can do this too. So, so I want to be that for, you know, people back home when they read the book by a Bahamian with Bahamian characters set in the Bahamas that, hey, we can do this too.
0: What I really like too is that even though you have Bahamian characters in the story, there is a sense of high society to it. These, they're Mm -hmm. not limited to the hotel industry. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but they are doing other things. As for example, with Rain, she has a boutique and she also has a magazine. She's also a social media personality as well. She's very exciting. Mm -hmm. She goes to high, high elite parties, which I like. I like to see that because sometimes you Mm -hmm. only have a narrow vision of what certain people look like or a certain pieces are supposed to fall into this narrow box, and then they don't. And that's what I like about it, too. So I really enjoy the story. And like you said, you really do take the reader to the Bahamas, which is your home. There's one scene where Storm is having problems, and he goes a mile away to the beach. And I'm thinking to myself, imagine only being a mile away from the beach. Here in Michigan, good luck, okay? We have beautiful weather in the summer. We have gorgeous fall. We got snow cold. It gets hot sometimes, but beaches are there, but you have to go to the beach. You have to go find it. You know what I mean? So to be just a mile away from the beach, I was so jealous of a character. I wanted to say, you sit here (laughs) in the snow, and I go stand there on the beach. Now, I can't swim. I'll probably just float away and just sink. But but at the same time, I just really (laughs) like that aspect and how you show that, how because he's part of the island, he's going to be a water child. He's going to be part of it. So he goes Mm -hmm. swimming a lot when he has things on his mind. What I also like is just that continuity of being a brother and sister in Christ, no matter where you are. And that was something I liked, too. And that story definitely exemplifies just the family of Christ, because the same problems I may have here in Michigan, he has there in the Bahamas. Doesn't matter that there's Mm -hmm. a beach and beautiful sands and palm trees and things of that nature. He has issues. I have issues. And what's interesting about him, he's a police officer. And right now, police officers in the U.S. of A. don't have a great light on them right now. They get a lot of bad publicity. But what I like mm-hmm. that he did, you show him in a good light that he's a good cop. And I think that's also important because we know that not every police officer is a bad police officer. But we know that when there's inaction, that causes the rap to get bad for the mm-hmm. whole community of right. police officers. So just a one and two. So I like that you show him in law enforcement being a good cop. Now was that a deliberate thing? We're you just trying to show another aspect of the islands. So what was going on in your mind there?
1: No, that was deliberate. I put in the dedication. I dedicated it to three people who are police officers that I that I know personally. One is my best friend from high school, my best male friend. Let me make that distinction. From high school, he's a police officer, and then one of my friends that I met here in Miami, but he's Bahamian and he was a police officer in the Bahamas. Now he serves here in the, in the military, in the army. And then my cousin that I grew up with, he, he was a police officer also. So I dedicated it to them. So that was intentional.
0: I'm glad you did because it lets us know no matter what, you need law enforcement because there are going mm-hmm. to be people breaking the law. And so now I want to delve into this story, Rainstorm. And I love the title. I love the characters. I was telling Kendi before the broadcast we started recording today, I was telling her how I love their dynamic. There's so much of their dynamic. And I want to be careful that I don't spoil anything for our listeners. But I definitely want you to get the juice about these two because they are going to take you for a wild ride. Again, If you want your copy of Rainstorm, R-E-I-G-N, make sure you go ahead and go to Amazon.com and buy it today.
1: So go ahead, Kendi, tell us what Rainstorm is about. He's a cop and Rain, who is a socialite and an entrepreneur, alpha male, alpha female, and so they have a lot of clashes. They originally meant 16 years prior when Storm arrested Rain, and then her brother forced her to go to his church and... So they developed a kind of a friendship. He felt kind of bad for her because she was being ostracized the other girls. And so 16 years later, they reconnect, but not in a good way, where Rain is always buttoning in on his cases um, and breaking the story about his cases. And so they're always clashing. So we have that clash um, there uh, with the attraction is a clash. And it's an attraction. It's like, I like them. I don't know why I like it. She gets get on the nerves. Um, and so we just see that development of that clash and that attraction throughout the story.
0: Not to mention their names, even though Rain is felt like someone who reigns in royalty, even though it's felt that mm-hmm. way. She reigns on his parade and he storms on her parade too. Okay. <laughs> yes.
1: So yes. just
0: even the names just really show the dynamic. They are both alpha characters. And what I like about that clash is that it makes a really good storytelling because he is a cop as we said before we start talking about the book she's a socialite but she's hard-headed too as she admits it in the book I am hard-headed and she's also impulsive she may have brilliant mm-hmm. ideas, but that's necessarily the best time to execute those ideas. And so she gets mm-hmm. in trouble. Matter of fact, in chapter one of the story, she gets in trouble right away. She gets in right. trouble. And I love her commentary and her narrative to the reader because it's like she's talking to us, but she's also talking to whoever's listening. Like, I'm telling you what's going on. She's very open and transparent about a lot of things. That's one thing yeah. I like about Rain. She's open about it. While Storm is kind of hidden. It's kinda of mm-hmm. hidden. You know, he kinda of hides the fact that he has different feelings and difficulties he's going on with. Now, what also is interesting about Storm in particular is that Storm is a man who feels as if he is meant to be a cop.
1: But there's been mm-hmm. a calling
0: on his life and what is that
1: calling? He's been called to be a pastor but he's been he's been running from it because he kind of likens himself to David, where God didn't allow David to build you know, his temple because he had blood on his hands, because he's a man of war. So he likens himself to David, like, I've seen too much and I've done too much to be able to be a good shepherd and to lead God's people, uh, forgetting that David started off as a shepherd. Um, so yeah, so he's,
0: he's resisting the call. His father is a minister. Do you think, in general, that preacher's kids tend to have a lot of more pressure on them to perform and look a certain way than those who don't?
1: Oh man, I'm surrounded by a lot of preacher's kids. Uh, my uncle was my pastor growing up, so all my cousins are preacher's kids. One of my other best friends from high school, he was a, he was a P, he is a PK. So I've gotten to watch it, and and just amazingly, like none of them went into ministry because I think of that pressure, you know, to go into ministry or to be molded in a certain way. And that's the pressure and that expectation where they just all went in a total, not totally different way, but just not wanting to be, you know, involved in ministry at all. It's like you are under a mic, especially when you're a kid, like my friend, you know, we, were, we went to school from like fifth grade to 10th grade together. And so, yeah, like he was just always under this microscope of you know you have to do this way and walk this line or else it's like well your parents aren't parenting right and you're not you know you're not a good kid so it's 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 like living under a microscope from my observation yeah
0: I guess in a way we all are preacher's kids because we are the sons and daughters of the high priest. So it's kind of interesting. It lets us know that we do have an obligation to be holy because Christ is holy. He is our father. But we also Mm -hmm. understand that we're going to fall too. And that is another thing that Storm struggles with in the book. Tell us a little bit about his struggles.
1: Another part of why Storm doesn't feel like he's called to ministry is because of his struggle and why he struggles with his flesh. He says, I don't drink, I don't smoke, but sex is my Achilles heel, you know. I like big booties and I do and then I'm joking. Um so, so that, that is his Achilles heel where, you know, so he feels like, you know, I'm not worthy, you know, I'm messed up way too much for God to use me. You know, not looking at the examples that God has given us throughout scripture where Everybody messed up and he's still used to them. He's that's his trouble.
0: Just like David. David had lots of problems yeah. with women and then his son Solomon also had problems with women. Yeah. So yeah, definitely understand Storm's thing. But he really does like a good looking woman and if she's gonna come and approach him, it takes a lot for him to resist her because mm-hmm. he's handsome, strong good looking. He can take care of females. And he also has this wonderful character that I love. He is a gentleman. Mm -hmm. Now you may be thinking, how can he be a gentleman when he has a hard time resisting the flesh? That doesn't make him mean or cruel. You know, (laughs) he he thinks women, well, I don't know. I wouldn't say he thinks women have a certain place. I think he thinks of himself as if I am going to be with a woman, I'm going to take a more traditional role to that. That doesn't mean, and I don't get the impression that he would stifle a woman's freedom or anything like that. I think he would Mm -hmm. say, let me provide and take care of you, which is completely Mm -hmm. anathema to Rain.
1: Rain is like, look,
0: I don't need you to take care of me. Matter of fact, tell us what Rain's view about that would be.
1: So Rain is is very independent because she's had to be she lost her mother at a at a young age. Her father wasn't around. Her brother stepped in. He's eight years older than her. He stepped in, but he was basically a kid too. So she had to learn how to be self-sufficient, and he tried to help her as much as possible by teaching her how to do things like change attire, like um, change oil, um, like doing all of those things he taught her those things so she's self-sufficient but i can do all of that myself i don't need you to do it for me one scene in 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 the book uh storm is holding her hand and she's like i don't need you to hold my hand i'm not a kid like (laughs) why are you holding my hand but then on the low she was like i kind of like it though so so yeah she she takes offense offense yeah, I would say offense to it. Like, you know, I I don't I don't need you to do all of this. I don't need you to open the door, plug the chair. You know, I don't, you know, I don't need you. I'm not staying home barefoot and pregnant. I'm not doing that. I'm going out and getting mine, so. But it's interesting, too,
0: because oftentimes, particularly in the 21st century, even a little bit before then, there's always this push for women to be strong and independent. Mm-hmm. Would you say that even though women can be strong and independent, We don't need to be so strong that we resist help or comfort. How would you speak to someone who may be struggling with that idea today?
1: I see relationships and marriage as a partnership. You need each other. So you need somebody to step in. Another scene, Rain says, you know, I didn't know how much I needed somebody to lean on until I was leaning on storm. You know, sometimes you just don't want to be strong all the time or have to be strong all the time. And that's that's why you have a partner who, when you're weak, they can be strong. And when they're weak, you can be strong. So we think about it like that, like we're in this together to complement each other, to help each other, not to stifle each other, but to be true partners in this relationship.
0: Great insight into that. Thank you so much for addressing that, because I know some women feel as if they have to do it all their own for whatever reason, and you don't have to. The Lord didn't tell us to do that. He said mm-hmm. it's not good for man to be alone, yes, and I wouldn't yes. hesitate to say it's not good for women to be alone either. We need each other in different ways and in different places, but we need each right. other. I think the Lord... And also
1: when he said that, it's like not man-male, but man-mankind. He did not create us to be in isolation. He created us for relationships. That's why we have relationships with him. And he wants us to model that with the relationships with the people he places in our lives, whether it's a husband, a wife, uh, uh, kids, best friends. We were created to be in relationship with each other. So, no, he did not create mankind to be alone.
0: Thanks for the clarity. So we definitely wanna know that's a community thing. We were created for community. Right. We were created for worship and we were created for relationship. God wants a relationship with us. Go pick yep. it, you know. So I love the fact that you mentioned that. And that's something rain has to understand too. Another aspect of this story is how rain and storm fight their attraction for each other Mm -hmm. and one of the reasons why they fight their attraction is because they have misconceptions about the other person i don't think it's too much of a spoiler to tell us what those misconceptions are
1: for rain her misconception about storm is like he is the sexist that just doesn't want women to you know glow up it's like he's trying to oppress me he doesn't want me to be independent and so that's her thing you know With him and his thing with her is that, you know, she does not listen and she does not respect me because she'll listen to nothing I have to say. So those are the misconceptions that once they start talking, they realize, hey, we have more in common than we don't have in common and we actually work good together.
0: And that is something they both didn't realize until they started to work together. Now I won't reveal what they're working on because that is really intricate to the story here. But their relationship is mm-hmm. such a joy to watch and fall into. So what I want you to do right now, Kendi, I'm going to mute myself. But I would love for you to go ahead and read an excerpt from
1: Rainstorm. So I'm going to read the prologue. So this is one of my favorite—I don't know why—it's the prologue. I said right at the beginning, but it's one of my favorite parts of the book. The last person on earth I expected to run into coming out of the bathroom at church was Rain Bryant. When my eyes landed on her coffee-colored, coffee-colored face, I thought my mind had conjured her up from the past. I wondered what happened to her. It was amazing how we lived on an island that was a mere 7 by 21 miles. Yet in 16 years, I had not run into her one time, and I was happy about that. My eyes left her face and traveled down her shapely 5-foot, 11-inch frame. Even as an 18-year-old, she had womanly womanly curves that were even more womanly now. She looked good. She was wearing some jeans that were too tight to be wearing at church with a top that was kind of off the shoulder on one side. She had a birthmark on her clavicle that I found sexy. She was wearing shiny red heels that made her almost on eye level with me. Her hair was in uh, in long braids that reached her small waist. I liked what I saw. I couldn't help thinking about the last time I saw her in that kiss. I was annoyed that after all these years, I still couldn't control my hormones around her. Shame quickly rose in my chest. I pretended I didn't know her, like I'd never seen her a day in my life. Pardon me, I murmured and kept moving. I retook my seat in the balcony, which gave me a perfect view to see when rain re-entered the sanctuary. I was surprised to see her walk to the first row and take a seat next to my brother and his friend Priscilla. I didn't curse, but if I did, I would have right then. She was friends with Priscilla. A million thought scenarios raced through my brain. Foremost, how likely would it be for me to avoid her if things got serious between Priscilla and Randy? I tried to pay attention to the rest of the talent show my niece Eden was putting on to raise money for a missions trip to Rwanda, but I couldn't. Instead, I stared at rain and thought of days gone by when I had arrested her, when I would befriended her, when I would messed up. I thought about how weak my flesh could get. I didn't want to go down and talk to my family because she was there, but I couldn't hide out in the balcony all night. I had to go and congratulate Eden. And it didn't look like Priscilla and Rain were leaving anytime soon. When I approached the group, I forced myself not to look in her direction, although I wanted to. I felt the heat of her gaze beaconing me to steal a glance at her. I resisted her magnetic pull. Good job, baby girl. I wrapped Eden into a tight hug. Thanks, Uncle Storm. She squeezed me tight. Hey, bro, Randy gave me a fist bump. You remember Priscilla. I smiled and nodded at Priscilla. She did the same. And this is Priscilla's friend, Rain Bryant. Rain gave me a smile that didn't reach her eyes. I could tell it was forced. And for the life of me, I couldn't force one in return. I was still in shock from seeing her there. I really didn't know how to respond. I said hello, but it sounded more like a grunt. I saw hurt briefly flash in her eyes. Yes, I was going to pretend I didn't know her. I didn't feel like explaining to my brother or anyone else how we knew each other. I wasn't home five minutes before Randy called. What was up with you tonight? You, you were really rude to Rain. I think I arrested her before. It was a half-truth, but it would get Randy off my back. What? You're tripping. You're trying to tell me that Priscilla's best friend is a criminal. Not exactly I, ha- I hedged, but I arrested her before. I really like Priscilla. She'll be around a lot and may bring Rain with her on occasion. Will that be a problem? Randy's voice was measured. Serious. Warning. It won't be a problem, I assure him.
0: That is an excerpt from Rainstorm, which is part of the Knight in Damage Armor series. That's book three. And that brings me to another part of this story that I absolutely adored. And it's not a spoiler as much as something that this series is more than likely based on. I haven't read the first two in the series. It's this whole knight in shiny armor. But in your case, you call this series Knight in Damage Armor. I would love our listeners to know the reasoning behind that.
1: The reason behind it, I said in the book, and it's not a spoiler. um, You know, a lot of times we are uh, fascinated by the idea of a knight in shining armor, right? But any knight who has been in the battle, his his armor isn't going to be shining. It's going to be dirty. It's going to be dented it's going to be like he it's going to look like he's been in a fight and so we're looking for this knight in, in shining armor but the guy whoever he is he's his armor is not going to be shining it's going to be some dents it's going to be some some dings it's going to be some dirt because we all have issues that we go through you know and that we are working through because we're all a work in progress so yeah so from the first book in the series to this book the heroes you know, they have some dents and dings and dirt on their armor, but they are still knights, you know, they are still the hero. So that's why I wanted to name it knight in damage armor, because, you know, just because he has some damage doesn't mean that he's not a knight, you know, and he can't be the hero, so...
0: I love the way you say that. And when I read that in the book, I almost jumped out of my chair. Like, oh, my gosh, that is so true. I definitely <laughs> love that aspect. Tell us a little bit about the first two books in this series. Who do they follow?
1: Mm-hmm. The series is about the Knight Brothers, uh, five of them. So the first book is Oh, Romeo, Romeo, and it is about Romeo Knight. He's a professional basketball player who is, has a really bad attitude. So, a little bit difficult to like, um, but you see him arc in the story where he goes from this really bratty uh, professional athlete to, you know, transforming into the man of God that God always wanted him to be. And Shiloh is um, ends up being his publicist to get him out of this situation that he got himself in. And so, they clash because she's a goody two-shoe you know like she's super you know good she's a virgin and like he's like she's like you know i'm 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 gonna get her to mess up uh and then the second book is only one night and it's priscilla and randy's story um randy is storm's twin and they're not really they're opposites and i wouldn't say polar opposites um randy is an entrepreneur he is a billionaire him and his other brother you know they own like everything in nassau and he has he was married before he's divorced he has a teenage daughter but because he's so focused on you know creating this empire he's neglecting his daughter she's just like getting in trouble who which is really a cry to help and priscilla is her guidance counselor and calls randy out like dude you need to take care of your daughter you need to take care of home first and he and nobody talks to him like that Nobody. And he is like, Wait, hold on now, so you know who I am. You don't talk to me like that. And she said, well, I'm, I talk to you like this. And so they really have to work together to really get um, the daughter, Eden, um, just back on track academically and out of trouble so she doesn't get kicked out of another school. And then this wraps up, Rainstorm wraps up the series.
0: And I love it because Rain refers to their situations, and that was like, as soon as I finish this, I'm about to go back and get the other books, and that's what I love about that. But, you know, Mm -hmm. it was probably a good thing that you didn't make all five brothers have, you know, trauma, I mean, not drama, trauma, but drama, because I probably would buy all five of them. Like okay, we have to find out what's going on with all of them. But I love the stories, and I love—I would love to know about you know their dad. Um, if if you don't talk about like the first or second book, I love to know about their dad and mom's story. You know, because I think that'll probably be something interesting to know. We'll Probably go back a few years, mm-hmm. but that'll be something interesting to uh to kind of see that because interesting. you know see how his dad is because his dad seems to have all the right answers, but there must have been a time when he didn't
1: have any of the answers. You know. If you read the other books, you will see there was a time in to not the too, not too far uh, past that he did not have all the answers. Right. So a lot right. of that trauma, trauma does stem from their relationship with their dad okay. and how they all dealt with, um, it's not a spoiler, Randy and Randy Storm mentions it a, a little bit. There was a scandal, the dad is a pastor, it was a scandal in the church, but they all reacted, all of them, differently. Um, and so that's where some of the damage comes from. Not 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 all, but some of it comes from. Oh good.
0: So I'm I'm glad to know that. But if you ever decide to do like a prequel or something to the kids mm-hmm. and all that, that'd be interesting to see their story too, because all the all the night men seem to have a lot of integrity but they also mm-hmm. have problems. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see
1: how that works out. And so yeah, I'm very excited for this series. So Kendi, what else are you working on? So I'm working on another series. I don't have a title for it yet. I don't have a title, a working title. However, I mentioned in the beginning that I do work in the construction industry. It just seems like it is an unknown fact that there are Black women in construction. And so the series is dealing with Black women in construction. All of the heroines are going to be women in construction. In some form, whether it's in engineering or actual, I, I work at an actual construction company and we have project managers and we have, uh, you know, people in the field too. So to explore that a little bit, um, just to shine a light on that there are careers for women in the construction industry. So that's what I'm working on. I'm, I'm just like making the outline. I haven't started writing the word yet. But I'm just fleshing out those stories and those and working on those characters. So that's, that's what I'm doing now. But I really wanted to do a series on women in construction because when I came, like, I didn't have a career plan to be like, I'm going to work in construction. I was just looking for a job. I met a girl at church. I just graduated from college looking for a job, uh, like anything, because I had not been able to find a job for like 18 months. And my dad was like, you need to come back home. And I was like, no, God said no. And so, <laughs> in, like, no, God said no, 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 no. He said Miami. This is from Ohio. And, um, <laughs> yeah, this, this is, this is, this no, God's not saying come back home, no. And so I managed the early church and she was like, my mom, she called me or emailed me and she said, are you still looking for work? My mom needs somebody to work in her office part-time. And I didn't have any, like, part-time, yes, because I have no time now. And I remember I went there, like I call her mom and it was like early, this lady called me back and she was like, oh, can you come in today? And I'm like, lady, it is like six o'clock in the morning. All right. And I had to get like, I didn't have a car, I get like two buses there. I get there and there's nobody there. But I'm like, I just took two buses here and I'm just going to wait. And so I waited. And then the receptionist comes and she opens up. And so I'm sitting waiting in the little reception area. And I picked up a Black Enterprise magazine. I just started flipping through it. And I actually started to read an article about a a Black lady that owned a construction company. And and I just found it interesting. And her daughter was uh, an investor. She was called a baby billionaire. Like, so interesting. So I'm sitting there reading it and the door opens, and I look up, and i was say, oh, my God, it's the lady from the magazine. <laughs> the lady from the magazine just walks in the door, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, and then she was like, oh, are you Kendi, and I was like, wait, her mom, my friend's mom is the lady in the magazine, and she owns a construction company, and I go upstairs, whatever, we we do the interview. She hires me, like, literally on the spot and leaves me there. She's like, I have to go to a meeting. Can you stay? And she She left, and I've been there ever since. That was 18 years ago. Um, But I kept looking for a a dude to show I was like, her husband has to own the company with her. Like, it has to be, like, a a man. And then I realized, no, this is a 100% African-American, female-owned construction company. And then just meeting other women in the construction industry, becoming a part of the National Association of Black Women in Construction, I was like, you know, these some boss women. So I, I got to write a story about not about them, and I don't want none of them think I'm writing about them. So I'm gonna make my <laughs> like none of them, uh, but about women in construction.
0: I like that. That was something I thought about very recently. We had some construction mm-hmm. done on my na- in my neighborhood, and mm-hmm. I was looking for women to be in that arena. But those were just construction workers. But you also mentioned there are other positions as well in yeah. construction that are just as valuable. So I would love to read that Mm when you get that done. But Kendi, how has the initial response been to Rainstorm? I know you just recently released it. How has the initial response been? So
1: yeah, the initial response has been great. Like I always find this so interesting when I hear from readers and they talk about the characters like they know them, like kind of like they're real people. But the best, for me is when I hear readers what I was trying to say right in the book like they get it yes that's exactly who Rain is that is exactly who Storm is oh my goodness you get it I did my job so it's been it's been great hearing from readers especially that you know they got it not just that they enjoyed the story but they got the characters so because that's important to me because as a reader I love characters that I connect with, and after I finish the book, like, I'm still thinking about them, like, I wonder, I wonder what they're going to do next. Like, they're real. So, so, yeah, it's been good.
0: You know, we are at the end of our show today, Kendi. I have just enjoyed having you on. What I want to do is give our listeners an opportunity to follow you online.
1: So, you can follow me. I'm on Facebook, author Kendi Ward, and on Instagram, I am Queen Kendi Ward. Um, you can also uh, go to my, my website, KendiWard.com and sign up for my newsletter. So those are the ways that you can stay in contact with me. Like I just said, I love to hear, you know, from readers and hear what you think about the book, the story, and the characters. Kendi, this
0: show is always about encouraging authors. And God has given the gift to write, to pick up the pen and do so. So go ahead and encourage them out there today
1: listen, if you have a story to tell, like writing, if God gave you, want a gift, you know, the gift isn't for you. The gift is for you to share with others. So if God has placed a story on your heart to write, like just start writing, you know, even if it's not, I don't do outlines. So even if you don't have an outline or anything like that, like just start writing, like take that one step um, towards getting the story out there and then then think about the next step, but it is the, the key is just to start writing because God gave you a gift, not for you, but for the people who you can touch and minister to through the stories that God has given you. Because it's not, it's not just entertainment, it's ministry too.
0: Kenby, thank you so much for being with us on the show today, and I cannot wait to have you back
1: and have you back real soon. Thank you so much, Parker. It's been great, and I can't wait to be back too.
0: And we were talking today to Kendy Ward. She is the author of the book Rainstorm, which is book three of the Night and Damage Armor series. Make sure you go to Amazon and click on the button today and love of my sister by buying a copy of her book. You are definitely going to enjoy it. What I really enjoyed about her book was just the dynamics that are playing back and forth with our main characters, Rain and Storm. Even though her name is spelled as the sign of royalty, she does have a lot of rain in her life and he does have a lot of stormy moments, but together they create this massive hurricane that is gentled by the power of God in so many different ways. And you're going to discover that when you pick up your copy of Storm. And like what Kendi said, even if you don't have an outline, just write. So why don't you go ahead, pick up the pen and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of the Write Stuff, Queen Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day.